and welcome to this revamped version of the dagger i think this is our fifth episode Corey, correct me if i'm wrong but welcome it's always a pleasure having you guys on and uh thank you for tuning in i'm justin pierce here alongside uh co-host Corey kennedy Corey, this is a massive week in sports we have a lot to dive into yeah, this has been a long time coming. The, the, the March Madness tournament is finally here. Playing games start today as we're recording. Tomorrow, the official tournament will go, go into that. So we had a great, we just had a great talk with Joseph Klein, uh, second time on the podcast. So we're just rolling in the re- with the revamp and March Madness. Here we go. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot to dive into, not just Mar- March Madness, but NFL free agency as well. I mean, there's been some, it's been a crazy week. And I mean, it's, it's been, it's, it's been absurd. It's been wild. So let's get into it when we can. So we're going to break down some of the, um, you know, we're going to break down some of the splashes in free agency. We're going to go into um, some of the signings that New England made. Um, that includes the Hunter Henry signing, which I, I was shocked by. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that later in the show, but we'll also talk about some of the disappointments in free agency too. So um let's let's get into that so Corey, i've never seen new england go out and just really throw all of their money at a bunch of players and you know they spent a lot more money than they ever did in free agency yeah. since <laughs> since tom brady was there i mean i i think they saw that they spent like 200 something million in free agency and it's only been like three days so what yeah. what do you think about um what do you think about some of the some of the moves that New England has made? And you know, they they were a seven and nine team this year, this past season. But I mean, does this make them better at all? Some of these moves. Yeah. So the the new league the new league year started yesterday on Wednesday, and then Monday was the start of free agency. And just like you said, Bill Belichick was off, you know, firing off off um, and and getting guys signed um, and paying them. So I do definitely think that. The, the, the Patriots, for a lot of different reasons, will be much better this year. And I think just it'll be the second year with Cam Newton. Bill Belichick went out and signed his quarterback again for a second year. One-year deal, just still another one-year deal. I think Cam still has to kind of prove himself and get back to that, to get to that MVP level. Um, and so, but this does, with the the Johnny Smith tight end signing, Hunter Henry tight end signing, uh, Nelson Aguilar, who played, who kind of fell out a little bit, I would say, but then... He came back with the Raiders and and had a great year, especially the second half campaign was a lot was was really promising to see him. Um, and then another uh, wide receiver, uh, Kendrick Bourne. So I think that Cam Newton's got some weapons. I mean, he didn't really throw that much last year, had a lot of rushing touchdowns. But another thing too, Edelman missed a lot of games last year, and they they basically had no receivers to throw to and limited you know, a limited backfield, I guess, to, you know, to say and, and defense was wasn't what it was the year before with Tom Brady final season. So I think Bill's trying to get back to where his championship pedigree and and I think these moves are a great start. And so we do have a lot of time still until August when training camp starts. So, you know, uh, we'll see the Patriots can still make some more moves, but I think it'll be much, much better than last year. And then a lot of guys held out last year, too, um, because of COVID-19. And Cam Newton got COVID and he was kind of on a roll, got COVID and was out for three weeks and never really got his mojo back. So I think the Pats will be much better uh, well off this year. Yeah, actually, we have some breaking news going um, 
for the podcast listeners out there. I mean, um, so you mentioned the Hunter Henry signing earlier. Um, The Hunter Henry's with the Patriots. They're going to be going into a two tight end set, but the Chargers found their replacement tight end for for that position. So the the Chargers are going to be signing Jared Cook to a one-year, $6 million deal. Um, He'll be joining the Chargers this year as their primary tight end. And Corey, I just want to get into your initial reaction to what you just heard there. You know, that's awesome. It broke five minutes ago. Yeah, great, great breaking news there on the dagger. I think this is the first one that uh, I, I used to love doing this when we were on the radio show. And it was a, this would happen during the football season. But yeah, this is awesome. Um, Schefter just tweeted it. And no, Jared Cook is a, you know, he's, he's a nice player. I think that, um, you know, I was kind of surprised like you were Hunter Henry. It seemed like he was building, he built that chemistry with Phil Rivers, but he would just hurt, you know, a lot of injuries just kind of held him back. And then you know, it seemed like he was kind of getting his mojo with Herbert. Now he's on the Patriots. So um, I was really curious to see who was that kind of, who that guy would be there would bring in. So I think Jared Cook is a great player and maybe, maybe not a household tight end name, not on the level of Kelsey or George Kittle, but um, Darren Waller. But I think Jared Cook can, he's an experienced guy, experienced veteran, been on the Packers, been on the Saints, I think most recently. And he, he's been around the league and I think he, He's a solid guy, healthy guy. So I think that and that's a nice little pickup for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, they needed to get they needed to get their guy at tight end. I mean, they lost long-term value with Hunter Henry, but I mean, this this really does save save them money. I mean, it's a max value of six million dollars. I mean, um, you can't really go wrong with that with that move. I know Kyle Pitts is going to be a high-end prospect in um, in the NFL draft, probably one of the best tight-end prospects we've ever seen, for that matter. So that's a big, I mean, that's a big step towards getting their guy and fulfilling this offense. This is a good target for uh, Justin Herbert to have next year. I know Jericho can go downfield just like Hunter Henry could, so he could really, op- really open up the outsides of, of that offense. And I think that's what uh, Herbert's looking for in his receivers is somebody who can open up the outside of the field like Hunter Henry did. And this is a good, good placeholder for that until they actually do find their guy long-term. So as, as, Mm -hmm. as difficult as it was as a charger fan, seeing Hunter Henry go to the Patriots, let alone to a team that has a much worse quarterback, which is the opposite of what he said. And not only that for him to probably be, he's not even guaranteed to be the number one tight end on that team. So it's a, it's a big stretch for Hunter Henry. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see how his development is in, is processed throughout the next uh, few seasons being in that two tight end set. Uh, I know Bill, Be- Bill Belichick is going to work his magic real well with that, but you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all pans out with, um, with free, with the rest of uh, free agency just seeing who they get at receiver. Cause I know, I mean, you mentioned earlier, they got Nelson Aguilar. Uh, they had, they, they brought in another receiver. They still have Julian Elman. Uh, they still have Nikhil Harry as well. We're waiting to see how he does, but you know, this is, a, this is a good sign for the chargers. I think this is what they, I think this is what they needed for right now. So. Yeah. You look at, if you look on Jared, uh, Jared Cook's stats, uh, uh, two seasons ago with Drew Brees on the Saints, he had nine touchdowns in 2019. And then in 2020, he had seven touchdowns. So he, he's a guy that can get in the end zone and can be um, 
you know, be an awesome red zone target. And I mean, Herbert loves to spread the ball too. So he'll, he'll hit everybody. It seems like in the, in the, in the red zone, but Jared cook is a, a guy that, you know, they could really, you know, bring home those touchdowns too and see, help seal those late game, those late game, close games that the Chargers have had so much trouble dealing the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, that that's big time for them and they, they definitely do need that. Uh, they definitely did need that moving forward. So um what potential moves do you see, though, heading into the later portion of this free agency period? What potential moves do you see happening um, around the league? Yeah, well, I mean, I still the biggest one is still the Deshaun Watson, you know, um, kind of drama now at this point where to see where he'll he'll end up. Um, it was kind of interesting with the Russell Wilson named his, you know, destinations where he'd want to go if he got traded. And then any one of them being the Chicago Bears and Andy Dalton got signed there. Um, and so that was, that was kind of an interesting one. Um, I think the, and I think the, the kind of maybe the, the, the toughest market right now is for receivers, I'd say. Um, there, I would say uh, Kenny Galladay has been kind of maybe the, one of the bigger um, wide receiver free agents that is still looking for a home. Um, and so, I, you know, a lot of Giants fans love for Kenny, Kenny Galladay to go there. The Giants have picked up um, John Ross. So they've picked up a couple random signings they they re, and they picked up Mike Glennon today as a backup QB so they've signed a lot of backups backup receiver backup running back um so the Giants are still I think Kenny Galladay would be a big one um and then like we talked about I, I still think quarterbacks though is the biggest thing um and see where J- Jimmy Garoppolo will end up um see where see where Russell Wilson if he's going to stay if Deshaun Watson is going to is going to stay or move so I would, st- I would still say the quarterback is still, you know, kind of the spotlight, but I would, you know, I think the wide receivers are a little bit underrated this year and, and to see like where they might end up, is going to be a big, big question. But how about you? What, what are you thinking? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the QB, a lot of the QB moves are going to be done through the draft, but I mean, I'm really hoping to see how the wide receiver market lands. I know Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay, I, Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But did he or did he not sign with the Giants? Not yet. As of now, as of as of now, I'm I'm not yet. He hasn't signed with them. Yeah. So he's looking at that team as of right now. Marvin Jones just signed with the Jaguars too. So mm-hmm. some weapons are getting, are going to be down there in Jacksonville for Trevor Lawrence if once he gets drafted number one overall. Um, but I I mean I just it it was a slow market to start off the um, free agency. I mean, it was reported that players were asking for, you know, double digits in terms of in millions in terms of uh, salary. So that's, I mean, that's a big ask. That's a big ask for some of these wide receivers. I think what we're going to see though, in the draft for quarterbacks is some of these teams that landed quarterbacks like Chicago, Washington, those are quote unquote temporary options. I, I can see them drafting a quarterback in, in in this upcoming draft. And as much as I defend Mitchell Trubisky, it was just a it, the, the the relationship in Chicago was just destroyed, and it's going to be much worse this year with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. I mean, no one wants mm-hmm. to no no Chicago Bears fan wants to see those two uh, as their starting quarterbacks. I mean, they want to see. I mean, as pains me as this, as as, as much as it pains me to say it for Nick Foles, uh, it, it looks like his contract is just 
it's just done. I mean, he, he got a long-term deal with Jacksonville. He was traded to Chicago, I think a season or two later. And then, you know, he was, he was put in to replace Mitchell Trubinsky. And then he was benched last year. I just think there's something about the Andy Reid coaching tree that just makes Nick Foles that dude. What do you think, Corey? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Andy Reid is just, yeah, he, he's a baller. I mean, he, he's been proven in the league with the, with the chiefs and the Eagles and, and I think that when you talk about, I mean, you think about Bill Belichick too is maybe the best NFL coach, but Andy Reid, I think, is just right there with him and a totally different style of coaching. I feel like, you know, I feel like he's kind of a player's coach, but also the stern leader too. So I think he has a great combo of the two. And I'm just hearing stories of mainly Patrick Mahomes talking about on interviews of his, his football IQ is just insane. And just the plays that he knows, the plays that he pulls out from decades ago the, the stuff that he brings into the game to really make this new wave of uh, this new modern era of football that we're seeing um, that, that that's big time uh, for Andy Reid. Um, but I was just going through the, you know, the potential wide receiver. We talked about the free agent wide receivers and probably I forgot about this. Probably the biggest one would be Juju Smith Schuster, who has now oh, had yeah. rumors, rumors about, um, you know, I think he's at the end of his rookie deal and, and he, or his rookie contract or, um, I'm not even sure which, which, what the contract was, but um, yeah, it was his rookie deal. The rookie deal. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's put out a couple, he's put out a couple um, posts on social media saying that, you know, he, he loves Pittsburgh, but you know, he'll, he'll see where he ends up. So, and a lot of players are doing this now they they're, they're getting, they're not getting resigned and now they're just going to social media to say, thank you. You know, I'll see where I end up. So I think Juju is a big one to see, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of rumors and a little bit of controversy last year saying you know with he was dancing on all the team's logos and then the the Steelers really kind of fell apart at the end of the year so um, but Juju is a big one to see where um, he'll go to um, and and see where he can can I feel like he still has to prove himself as the number one guy after Antonio Brown left the Steelers to see where he goes um, and see if he can make a big difference as the number one receiver option. Yeah, no, that's going to be – that's also one of the mo- most intriguing names on the market too. Um, yeah, I mean, if – we'll see what happens with Juju. I mean, the best fit for him, if he wanted to sign with either team today, it's either the Jets, who he's talked highly about, his college quarterback, Sam Darnold, or the Ravens, who are also looking for a number one receiver as well. I know Marquise Brown didn't really pan out as that guy last year. Um, they still have Mark Andrews at, at tight end. I mean, Juju would be a great fit for Lamar. I mean, honestly, because Juju could do anything. He could work inside. He could work outside. Um, yeah, the inside or outside part of the field. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what um, what Juju decides to do. And, you know, maybe he chooses a route where he has to sacrifice some receptions, maybe – I don't know. I'll pop this idea out there. He goes to Tampa and oh. goes down there with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. But I don't know if you would want to be with Antonio Brown if um, if they if you know if they both. I mean, Antonio Brown should be coming back to Tampa. I know Tom Brady wants to bring him back, but I know it, it's going to be tough to see if Juju ends up on that team, whether he ends up signing how that relationship's going to be because i know um antonio brown is called juju smith schuster boo boo smith uh, smith schuster on twitter 
Um, you know, they got into a couple of Twitter fits here and there. It was like a couple of years back, but that relationship's done. But I mean, Corey, where do you see, where do you see Juju ending up? Yeah. I mean, I really like, I honestly, the, the, the picture you said were the Jets and the Ravens. I really do like that because if you, I think it's all, this year is all about cap space and it, they, they got bumped down way, way lower this year. So all these teams are, I mean, it was almost like an NFL, just almost an NFL March Madness, which we never really see. And there's so many people, starters, captains getting cut, getting traded, you know, not getting signed, not getting picked up. So there's so much going on in the NFL. Um, but I think that um, I think a team like the Jets would, would honestly be awesome for 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 Juju because, you know, Sam Darnold needs the help. I think he's he still will be successful in the league, but if he stays on the Jets. And if the Jets don't make any move moves, then Darnold Darnold will be in deep trouble. So if they get a guy like Juju with a new head coach, Sam Darnold getting a little bit more confidence, I think that would be an awesome play. But I also think the Ravens would be sweet as well to to finally get Lamar some legit receivers. And and I think you have a great combination with Hollywood Brown and Juju because Juju I think isn't like the for sure for sure number one guy yet. And I think having Hollywood Brown is kind of the speedster on the outside going over the top and you could have Juju cutting across the field. You can have him going deep. You could really play him. And I think as an offensive coordinator, you would love to have those two guys on your team. Um, so I do like this too. I think, I mean, another option was uh, the, the Jaguars. So I think th- that would be tough though. Um, I mean, I don't know if the chargers would have the cap space to bring him in. Um, I, I know Mike Williams is kind of on the table. Um, uh, you know, it'd be Keenan Allen and Juju would be a sweet, combo um and so you know those are a couple i mean juju i think he gets a lot of hate you know you could argue he does deserve it a little bit um but i do think that he's a he's an awesome player one of the best receivers that came out of usc so um yeah i mean there's a lot of options for him he he's gonna have he'll succeed where he ever he ends up going but i mean looking at big ben he had to restructure his deal he could barely scramble it reminds me of eli manning his last year I mean, he started off good, but his arm just was throwing arm just wasn't there. So, I mean, this could be Big Ben's last year as a Steeler. I, I don't know if, if Juju wants to go through that again this year. Maybe he just got to break it off and go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll that be interesting to see what happens with Big Ben as well. I know Dwayne Haskins is in Pittsburgh for uh, for the Steelers. So, we'll see how, what, you know, what happens with him and how he ends up doing there. But, Corey, we have a big interview coming up with um, for a, a previous guest, Joseph Klein. Uh, it's a really good listen. I mean, he breaks down in pretty much every single NCAA tournament matchup. So, um, Corey, what else should we expect from this uh, from Joseph's interview? Yeah, so Joseph, I mean, he's really our college basketball guru at this point. And <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, it's been tough this year. I feel like I'm, the majority of people I've talked to they've had a hard time watching college basketball this year and, and, or at least being consistent as, you know, even with their, their alma mater schools. So I think this is, this is maybe the, the, the perfect year for a Cinderella team to go in. And if you guys have already made your back brackets, or you're looking to make your bracket, this might be the tough, one of the toughest years to, to predict those upsets, predict those teams. Um, but I love his, his final four. It's an interesting Mac uh, mix up mashup of teams that, you know, could be good three seeds a couple later seeds too so um we'll see I, I love that joseph's you know his uh analysis of these teams is awesome gives us some good upsets 
uh, and then, yeah, I mean, Joseph, his basketball IQ, college basketball knowledge is just off the charts. So it was a great, great to catch up with him and, um, and great interview. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be, yeah, we'll be tossing it over to Joseph. Um, yeah. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And uh, here he is. Okay, here we go. Take two. And we are back on the dagger, joined by the one and only Joseph Klein. He's gonna he's becoming a regular uh, guest on the show. Joseph, welcome back, and it's great for us to talk hoops with you finally on this March Madness. Man, so glad to be here. So glad to be talking hoops with y'all, and let's get to it because it's the best time of the year, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've waited for, you know, over 700 days for this moment. And, you know, it's it's been a long two years since we've seen some real great basketball in in the on the college level. I mean, it's you know, one the regular season is one thing. The conference tournaments are one thing. But uh, March Madness is a whole different ballgame. And we've seen teams make it as Cinderella's like um, Loyola Chicago. And then we've seen powerhouse teams like unc duke win it all each year but you know luckily we won't have to worry about duke or kentucky winning the championship this year or arizona so (laughs) um but let's let's talk let's talk um just at the top of the bracket let's talk one seeds to start off um this interview so i mean baylor gonzaga illinois michigan all four of those one seeds you could easily make a case for each Uh, any of them to go to the final four, but which one seed do you see falling off early and, you know, how early? I think there's two one seeds that are going to be in danger on the second day. So on Sunday or Monday, those one seeds are Michigan without livers. If they end up playing LSU, LSU is one of the most dominant shooting teams in the country. They kind of decide when they really want to play defense and when they don't. But if they're locked in on defense and not doing stupid stuff that gets them technical fouls because they do get a lot of technical fouls, I could really see LSU pulling off an upset against Juwan Howard in Michigan without livers. Because Michigan doesn't look great without livers, and they're going to have to go through Dickinson, and LSU has a good matchup with on Dickinson. The other team is kind of going to shock you guys. If North Carolina beats Wisconsin, I really could see North Carolina beating Baylor. North Carolina is the number one offensive rebounding team in America. They crash the glass hard. They play defense. They struggle with guard play, but they can make a game ugly enough where Baylor and Mark Vidal are going to have some serious trouble matching that physicality. And it's going to be a foul trouble, ugly basketball game. And that's a game that North Carolina would rather play than Baylor. So I could really see if North Carolina can take care of the ball, I really could see an upset happening with North Carolina and LSU. I don't know. Just it's crazy, guys, because we're finally here. We're talking upsets. We're talking Cinderella stories. Yeah, I mean, this year is just, I mean, honestly, it seems like anything could happen. I mean, you know, in years past, anything could happen. But this year, just so crazy. with so much stacked on. Um, going to the conference tournaments that happened last weekend, was there any team that really stood out to you that you you liked their conference play or, or teams that kind of just popped out of nowhere, like Oregon State uh, to take their to take their conference or Georgia Tech to take their to take their conference? Um, going into the, the the full March Madness tournament. Yeah, so a few teams. One, shout out Josh Pastner and Georgia Tech. They did a heck of a run. Jose Alvarado's one of the most entertaining players in the country. Georgia Tech plays such a 
unique style of defense that that game against Loyola Chicago is actually probably the game I'm looking forward to most in the tournament just because of the defensive intensity. Loyola Chicago, number one defense in the country. Georgia Tech, number six in turnovers forced. Both teams don't turn it over much. Both teams force a lot of turnovers and low percentage shots. That's a game that's going to be ugly. If I'm betting on that game, I'm taking the under. I mean, I don't bet, but I know a lot of you guys listeners may. So if I'm if that's happening, take the under. I think it's 123.5 is what I read this morning. The next game, or the next team that it looks really, really intriguing to me is the University of Ohio, or Ohio University. I don't know what they call it. Um, they got a point guard named Preston. Virginia's coming out of COVID protocol. They fly in Friday morning. They, their point guard, T.A. Clark, is going to have to have one of his better games to stop Preston. It's going to be a really interesting game. Virginia's in some trouble. I, I mean, I can't go against Tony Bennett. can't go against that staff. But out of all teams, I, I can see Ohio making a run. They're getting hot right now. They're playing good basketball. They've won three straight games by over seven points. Um, they beat Toledo by seven. They beat Buffalo by, I believe, 13. Sorry, that's in my head, so I don't know if that's the exact number. But I could see them making a run. The other team I could see that really impressed me, like you said, was Oregon State. Oregon State, Coach Tinkle, they're without Trace Tinkle, which felt like he was there forever. But they're playing good basketball right now. But going back to the Pac-12, I think the team that actually is going to make a little run is Colorado. I like McKinley Wright. I like Evan Batty. They can make a run. Georgetown, another team that kind of came out of nowhere in the tournament. But don't see them doing too much. I I think Colorado's going to end their Cinderella story dreams. So those are four teams that really impressed me in the tournament. One that I would say was quite disappointing, but is going to get hot because that's who their coach is. They got one of the best coaches in the country is Oregon and Dana Altman. They start out with VCU. I really could see him beating VCU in that second week, second game against Iowa, a two, seven matchup. If it happens, it's going to be a great game. Oregon is, defensive team and like the great Bill Walton says Eugene from Eugene I could see Oregon giving Iowa some trouble and if Iowa's not making shots everyone who watches Iowa knows they're beatable and it's going to be interesting to see Luca Garza against Eugene from Eugene Chris Duarte I mean it's going to be a great matchup so that's one of the matchups in the tournament that I'm really looking forward to yeah I mean there yeah you mentioned you you made some great points there but um, just looking at the double double digit seeds and seeing some of these teams uh, coming in, I mean, upsets always happen in the tournament. We're definitely going to see some double digit seeds knock off some single digit seeds, and uh, we never usually see upsets to a point where they're making it to the Sweet Sixteen to the Elite Eight. Um, which which one of those seeds do you see making it? Um, up to the Sweet 16 and up to the Elite Eight, like the Georgetowns of the world, the Syracuses, uh, those type of teams? Ohio. I could see Ohio making a run. If Ohio beats Virginia, Ohio hmm. Ohio's going to play against Creighton most likely. If they can beat Creighton, which I think Ohio can, Creighton is playing really good basketball. They're a team that's either scorching hot like they were against Virginia a couple – or Villanova, my fault, a couple weeks ago. Or they're ice cold like they were against Georgetown in the tournament, in the Big East tournament. That's a team that if Ohio can beat, Ohio's right now in the Sweet 16. And I could see him, when you have a great player, when you have an NBA point guard, kind of like Steph Curry with Davidson was, Jim Fredette with BYU, when you've got that player that can score the ball at will and get hot, you have a chance to make noise. And 
if they can get past T.A. Clark, I really do see them going dancing and dancing for a while. Another team, I think Syracuse with Jim Beheim can't go against Jim Beheim. Buddy Beheim's playing unreal. I think he had 42 or something in the first round of the um, ACC tournament. So can't go against Buddy Beheim. Can't go against Jim Beheim. And the other team is actually Michigan State. If they beat UCLA tonight, which I do think they will, they are on. They got. I mean, as John Rothstein said, they got Mr. March coaching them right now. And I can't go against Tom Izzo. They're going to be going from there. They're going to be playing BYU. If they beat BYU, they should be playing against Texas. But you just got a feeling that Michigan State can get hot at the right time. Uh, unfortunately, they got playing the first four in, so they got to start somewhere. But can never once you get your first win in March, the nerves are out until the Final Four. So I could really see that happening. I think another team that if they got a better draw would have been making a lot of noise is Liberty. Liberty got a really unlucky draw, but so did Oklahoma State. Liberty is a top three defensive team in the country, top six in shooting percent. I mean, Liberty is an elite basketball team. But it's hard to say Liberty is going to win when the number when the consensus number one pick is on the other side. And Oklahoma State is playing elite basketball right now. Yeah, when you bring up UCLA and Michigan State, uh, that was going to be my, my next question. It's crazy to see kind of, you know, two, just when you think about college basketball, I mean, in the past, you think more, you know, more in the past. So with UCLA and John Wooden and, and what he built and then Michigan, Michigan State kind of more in the modern area, it's it's crazy to see these two teams at uh, and play in games. Um, and so, but I like your point, though, how Michigan State, they get this win and they could really roll on UCLA. I, you know, I want to focus more on UCLA. They, they're on a four game skid. They started off you know, the, almost the best in the, t- uh, the top of the Pac-12. Do you see any any hope with UCLA, you know, in today's game? And maybe, you know, if they can make it past Michigan State, you know, if they can make it a couple more rounds deeper in, in the tournament, in the bracket? I think the winner of this game can make a noise. The thing is, UCLA has, UCLA relies very much on Tiger Campbell. And um, if the, that's their biggest advantage in this game because Rocket Watts is a freshman for Michigan State and someone that hasn't played great in every game this year. So I can see him making some noise in that regard tonight. The issue I have is I don't know if they can win the battle inside the paint, which is the only way UCLA can win. And if Cody Riley gets in foul trouble early, which has happened a lot lately, they and they can't win because – Juzang has been playing okay lately, but they're just not playing great basketball. They're not clicking at the right time. Like you said, four games skip. Flip the, tie, flip the circle there. You have a team in Michigan State that beat Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois in a week stretch. So one team is hot right now, even though they lost to Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. They're coming off a hell of a week before. The other team's cold. I, I'm just going to go with momentum and Mr. March in this, but I wouldn't be shocked if Mick Cronin who's a heck of a coach, got UCLA playing in a playing game right now, trying to make that fan and really had them playing great basketball this year before the injury bug and COVID got to them. So I could see UCLA making this a real fist by ugly basketball game, and I will be shocked if it's a pretty basketball game because this game is going to be ugly, low scoring, high turnovers, not many shots going in. But that's a game that favors both teams, but I'll put my – likings on Michigan State in this, but I do think it'll be a very good game, and 
BYU has a hard second game, no matter if it's against um, Mick Cronin or Tom Izzo. Mark Pope got a hard second game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you mentioned it. Michigan state is usually the, it is usually the dark horse team that makes it to the sweet 16 every single year. And I mean, they're not a bad bet to um, if you are a better out there to make the sweet 16, but I kind of want to get into Thursday night's games with Norfolk state Appalachian state with the, as the playing game, Wichita state and then Drake and then Mount St. Mary's Texas Southern and then the finale Michigan state and UCLA. I want to know your winners for all four of those matchups um, going into the round of 64. Yeah. So um, can you, I got Appalachian state winning that game, their game. I have, I'll go with, I really do think Drake with that player coming back. I forgot his name actually, but Drake is going to make some noise. Drake got off to a great start this year. I believe they were 20 and 0. Then, you know, Mount St. Mary's is a team that seems to always be in like potential play in game, but you guys know where I'm from. I'm from Texas. So I got to go with Texas Southern and that's a toss up game. I know the spread for that's minus one plus one with the pick them. And the last game of the night, you know, I've said it before on this podcast already today. Give me Tom Izzo. Give me Tom Izzo. I, I like Michigan State. I like it. I think it's going to be an ugly game, like I mentioned, but I think they're going to stop Cody Riley, get him in some foul trouble early, and once Cody Riley's in foul trouble, UCLA got a tough day coming. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, so I, I kind of want to stick on just, you know, how, how crazy this year has actually been. Um, and, and so this is the first time since 1976 that neither Duke or Kentucky will be in the, in the tournament this year, and, and not to mention Arizona, too. Um, and so just and talk about Duke. They had to withdraw from the ACC tournament because of COVID. Um, can you just talk about how, I mean, just weird this whole year has been? And, and do you think Kentucky has had, you know, maybe one of the most disappointing seasons starting off, you know, in the AP top, uh, top 25 and dropping way out? having a rough year do you think that these teams can bounce back and, and kind of get to some more college basketball college basketball normalcy next season um and kind of just talk about all that going on yeah I think that's a long answer I think the answer starts with when you're a team of mostly freshmen you guys get you get to campus in May you start having workouts you start building chemistry and you in August you're working on plays when the year starts for you in September, October, like it did this year for teams of mostly freshmen, they're put at such a disadvantage. And the reason they're put at such a disadvantage is because as you see all these teams with returners, Brian McCaffrey at Iowa, Villanova with Gillespie, and um, all these teams have so many returners, Baylor, Gonzaga, that implementing one player is much easier than implementing nine. So when you're implementing nine players or 10 or whatever the number is, you're at such a disadvantage. And when you don't have an offseason, you're kind of screwed. So that's why you saw teams like Kentucky, Duke, kind of start peaking, but it was too late to peak. They, they started playing good basketball. Kentucky lost more one-possession games than I have on finger, than I have fingers. So, and Duke, on the other hand, Duke was actually playing really good basketball. If Duke beat Florida State in that game in the ACC tournament, I think Duke would have gotten in, or at least a play-in game. So Duke got unlucky because of COVID, but that was only fitting for this year, the way everything's gone with Duke. Now, regarding will they get back? Yes, but 
I think what this shows you is you don't have to go to a blue blood to make the NCAA tournament or be guaranteed it, especially in the SEC. It was always Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky. Well, look at what it's now. LSU, they're dancing. Tennessee is dancing. Florida's dancing. Arkansas is dancing. Alabama's dancing. That's a lot of teams dancing from one conference. That And I didn't mention Kentucky. So it, it hurts these teams because they're no longer that team that you're like, I go there to be the NCAA tournament team. But if I'm a recruit and I want to make the NBA, I'm trusting Coach Cal and Coach K still. I'm doing that route. So I think it affected them this year. Let's see what happens when you have a normal offseason. Give me my Kentucky Wildcats and Duke Blue Devils back in the tournament, both top five seeds next year. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, Joseph, we have one last question for you, too. Um, I know I, I know you have really dissected each and one of each and every one of these matchups uh, within the round of 64, but uh, we want to just jump into the um, jump right into it. Let's, let's see, let's hear your final four picks. Got it. The Illinois fighting Illini, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, <laughs> the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Wow. The, Arkansas. The Gonzaga Bulldogs and the Illinois Fighting Illini will be playing in the national championship in Kofi Coburn, Ayudasunmu, and Frazier are too much to handle for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They don't pull off the undefeated season, and Illinois ruins their hopes, and Illinois is national champion. Wow. You heard it here first, there everyone. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Joseph, also one last bonus question for you. Um, how many buzzer beaters do we see in the NCAA tournament this year? We're going to see three. We're going <laughs> to see three. Why? No idea, but it sounded like <laughs> a good number, kind of realistic number. We're going to have one in the final four in the national championship game that shocked the world. When Ayu Dasunmu shoots the shot, misses it, and Kobe Coburn tips it in to win the national championship for Illinois. Man, that's a, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. what. I can't wait to go back through this episode and just see what pans out and what doesn't. And once that buzzer beater hits in the national championship, we're gonna we're gonna put that clip on our social media pages and uh, come back to this because this is uh you know there's a, there's a lot of bold predictions we just heard there in the last five minutes so. Um, yeah, good stuff, Joseph. But you gotta you gotta trust me on this because you can't go against the must bus in Arkansas and Alabama's <laughs> playing great right now. And I'm not I'm they, listening to you. Yeah, I mean like look, what are you doing this week? What am I doing this week? I I'm definitely watching games. <laughs> go put fifty bucks on Bovada on what I just told you. Bovada's a gambling site that I think you could be making some money on right now if you did. And I can't bet but if you bet right now you won't regret it and use promo code at joseph Klein on the deck hacker and see if it works there we go that's it. it that's yeah that's for our audience I'm, to decide and choose i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna gamble but it's it's really up to everyone else if they want to or not i have yeah, one no, more I, question yeah what's up what's up sorry hate sorry hate to cut you off but so you're, you're a texas guy me and JP were California kids. Um, so one California team that got into the tournament, Big West champs, uh, UC Santa Barbara. And I feel like 
every every couple of years or so, the Big West champ makes a little bit of noise in the first round, either if it's UC Irvine, uh, Long Beach, maybe sometimes Santa Barbara, the Gauchos. Um, yeah, I know you're saying you like Creighton, but do you see it a little upset there in that first round, that first game, uh, five-seed Creighton going against 12-seed UC Santa Barbara? Shout out Joe Pasternak for getting that team to the tournament. Sean Miller, tree coach, heck of a coach. Look, at the end of the day, I've seen the good Creighton. I've seen the bad Creighton. But I think the bad Creighton can give UC Santa Barbara a run, which makes me think that the good Creighton is going to take care of business. Oh, wait, to cut out there a little bit after take care of business. Yeah, are you there? Oh, I think we, I think we lost Joseph. Yeah, we lost it. Nice game. So I'll take. I do think it's the oh. upset match that the one that will shock you that is Eastern. I know that's going to surprise you guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if Eastern Washington comes out firing from three takes the lead on clients in the game and cannot pull it. Wait, so you cut out there a little bit. So you said Eastern Washington, uh, so that would be can- against Kansas, right? Yeah, I think we're I think we're going to conclude it there. But Joseph, it's always a pleasure yeah, having my you fault. on. So I said oh. I think Eastern Washington <laughs> can take All right, an early the, the, lead, pull away from King, and Eastern Washington shot the world. All right, so he's calling. If no one heard that, he's calling the Eastern Washington upset over Kansas. Can you hear me? We got uh, we, you're cut. You're cutting in and out, my man. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we're yeah. we're gonna we're gonna cut it off there. But Joseph, it's a it's a pleasure having you on. And you know, okay, well, we'll let you we'll <laughs> let you go. All right, it's a it's a pleasure having you on. Yeah, and, got it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you yeah, for having me. Definitely. Have a good one. Thanks, Joseph. Have a good one. And welcome back to the dagger. I know it cut out a little bit towards the end of that interview but Corey, do you do you want to reiterate what joseph was trying to say towards the end of that interview yeah we had a little road trip podcast going on uh so it cut in cut in cut out there in the desert it seemed like but i think the last thing joseph was saying was that eastern washington has a good solid chance of beating kansas in that first game against the three seed kansas so um so that was the main thing i, I think we missed a couple of things that he said but for the majority, we got the whole we got the whole podcast in, the whole interview in, and then just that little last part, we got that. So I hope you guys enjoyed that, and I hope you guys are out there setting your brackets and and getting ready for this awesome March Madness. Downloading all your apps, making sure your laptop's charged, get all that stuff going, um, and you know, hopefully you guys got some bracket challenges going on too. So uh, I, it's it's fun. I mean, it's been a whole. I mean, was it been two years or? Yeah, it's been two year, seasons. Two, yeah, it's been two full seasons. And, you know, I wish Arizona was in it just as much as all that you Wildcat fans out there are. But, um, well, I, I'm happy with what we got this year. And, I mean, it's just going to mad- let the madness begin. That's all I could say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, let's, that's a good, good, good way to start our dagger or no dagger. Um, so, 
Corey, do you think that Eastern Washington can pull up this upset over Kansas? Because everyone, it's not just me. Many, many national radio guys have been hyping this matchup up as a potential 314 upset. Do you see that happening? Oh, man. So, you know, this one's tough, especially because I haven't seen Eastern Washington play at all this year. So it's just going to be, it's just going to be, that's going to be a tough one. I would just say Kansas just because, they're, I mean, they're the three seed. They're, you know, one of the most well-known college basketball teams. But, I mean, I think they have been struggling, as, you know, or at least they haven't been playing as what, you know, what they can be in years past. So, I mean, I love these, like, 314, uh, 2 and 15. And, uh, I mean, these these upsets, 6 and 11 upsets. So, um, I, I mean, I, as my, I want to say it just because March Madness – but I think Candace will pull this off and, and get the win um, at, at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see, I can definitely see um, Eastern Washington winning this game. I know Eastern, one of Eastern Washington's best players is their big and Kansas doesn't have, correct me if I'm wrong, but Kansas doesn't have their big going into uh, this game. So this is going to be, this is going to be, you know, a matchup game pretty much. And I can see Eastern Washington pulling off the upset. And they, they've played some with some good teams this year too. Uh, Arizona, who would have been a tournament team this year, if not for the self, self-imposed self ban. They, I mean, they, they only lost to Arizona by three. So, I mean, I could definitely see yeah. them. I could definitely see them being a, a tough out for Kansas. I definitely could – you know what? I'll say dagger. I'm going to, I'm going to call the upset Eastern Washington over Kansas. I mean, yeah, well, you heard it here first. So there you go. The, uh, okay. So I'll go into my first one we had. So we had a lot of football talk in the first half of the podcast. And so, and it's awesome to have NFL talk in the middle of March, which I feel like never happens. So, um, so a big one that we talked about was the Patriots and all their signings. So do you see the, uh, the Patriots making the playoffs this year? and making a nice little playoff run um, with all the stuff that the additions that they made in free agency. And then they still have a lot more to go too. So do you think you see them, Bill Belichick, Cam Newton in the playoffs uh, as in the Patriots uniform this year? I, I do see, I, I'm going to go dagger. I do see the uh, Patriots making the playoffs and, you know, one thing Cam Newton needed last year was receivers. I mean, he didn't have mm-hmm. any receivers and Bill Belichick tried to take, what he called quote unquote the Patriot way into um, into that season and just, you know, act like he like talent didn't exist around the league. So he really revamped uh, the way he thinks of the Patriot way by uh, signing a bunch of guys in free agency and then really developing them and grooming them uh, for this upcoming season. So it'll, it'll be fun to see where, um, where this team lands up ultimately next season. I think they can, they have a shot winning the division. Like I wasn't, I think Buffalo had a good season, but I also think they were a one hit wonder, but Josh Allen's really coming to his own. I think Stefan Diggs. I mean, he exploded out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really that simple. I don't think he's, you know, I, I still think he's the same receiver as what we saw in Minnesota. He's just playing with a much more, much better quarterback than than what he had in minnesota i mean no shot kirk cousins he's making 39 million a year but you know josh allen was a mvp candidate last year so i definitely do see you know that that high wave of 
um, excellence that Buffalo showed last year. I, I see that dipping down a little bit. And I definitely do see uh, Buffalo struggle to make the playoffs next year. Um, so I, there's usually also one team within the AFC or NFC championship game that kind of dips down and really takes a big step back from the previous year. I definitely do see Buffalo being that team. Last year it was the 49ers. They made it to the Super Bowl. This past year they didn't make the playoffs. And they, they're in a tough division. And I know Buffalo is not in that difficult of a division, but Miami went, still went 10 and 6. I mean, New, New England's coming up. Who knows what moves the Jets are going to make? I know it's going to be, and it's going to be a little bit of a more tricky division this year just because they are the ones in the division with the target on their back. And that has never been the case. So Bill Belichick is hunting down Sean McDermott and that. Buffalo Bills squad. I definitely do see uh, the Patriots winning this division this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they kind of fell off the throne there, and so I mean, the Bills are you know going to come back even stronger. But it's going to be a fun matchup. I, I like it's going to be fun to see, and I really do hope Cam can get back to his MVP ways and can really you know light up the field like he did you know just a few years back. Yeah, definitely. We looking forward to seeing what Cam can do this year. Yeah. So, um, Corey, I'm going to say dagger or no dagger on this one. Uh, do you see two one seeds making it to the final four dagger or no dagger? Ooh, this, I mean, you know, I feel like usually when I make my brackets, I do kind of fall into that one seed, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, pit or, you know, uh, I, I don't know the word for it is, but you just, they look so good on paper. But then once you get into it, once the tournament actually happens, it, it turns out there might only there might not even be a one seed in, in, in the final four, or there might just be one. Um, but I feel like if it's the year to happen, I, I would say it this would be the year. Um, I could see, I definitely could see Gonzaga. Um, I mean, I like Michigan too, but I mean, I could definitely see Gonzaga and Illinois in this or um or even, even Baylor. I do like these four teams, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, Michigan. So I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say dagger on this. Um, and I think that two one seeds can make it to the final four. And I mean, but I, then again, it's been one of the craziest years of college basketball, sports in general. And so, so much going on. Um, and uh, But I do think this year it can happen and, and will happen. Yeah, no, that would be that that will be very interesting to see if that does happen. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to March Madness and all the upsets that come with it as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I want to go into go back to football. And I mean, the, it feels like this. there's been so much NFL news going on this week that I almost forgot about this, that Drew Brees retired, officially retired from the NFL. It's crazy to think it's one of those things like that, you know, it, you know, it was kind of happening. It might happen, but it's kind of still mind blowing. Next year, we're going to be like, wait, Drew Brees, it, wait, where, where is he? Like, so, but it's crazy to think that he's done playing the game. Shout out to an amazing career. He, he signed with the Saints March 14th, 2006, and then he retired as a Saint on March 14th, 2021. So he had a great 15 years down the road, boom. And he had, he had a little, little stint with the Chargers too before that. Um, so shout out to Drew Brees for an amazing career uh, and, and doing everything that he did, Super Bowl and and everything he did for the community in New Orleans. So um, great. I mean, for sure, how Hall of Famer really changed the game, I feel like, for guys that 
weren't the six four, you know, you know, you know, kind of, you know, standard quarterback that he, he he's five ten and and five nine five ten wasn't your your average QB, um, and so he kind of changed the game in that sense and really lit up the, the league. Um, so, I mean, I'm trying to think of the question here. So, Drew Brees, do you think, do you think that Drew Brees should have given it another year to go, or you know, uh, or do you think this is I, I feel bad for him too because he had such a the last three or four years of his playoff run was just absolutely brutal how he exited. So do you do you think that there you know Drew Brees should have called it quits now here and now or do you think he should have tried for that last Super Bowl? Yeah, it was a, definitely the right move, Corey. He did not look the same in that playoff game. He lost all of his arm strength. It didn't yeah. look good at all out there. I mean. It was just it was a tough look for him all year long, seeing his arm strength just go down and down. And, you know, and it sucks for him to go out the way he did with three interceptions in the divisional playoff game and then losing to the ultimately the GOAT Tom Brady. I I mean, it was it was time for him to retire. I'm gonna say dagger on that one. Uh or no dagger, no dagger to him going one more season. Um, I definitely do think that. He needed to, he needed to, he needed to go. And, you know, I thought he definitely could have left after uh, the previous season too, but I mean, Mm -hmm. it just sucks that he didn't go out in front of a full Superdome full of fans. It was just, you know, it was half empty. It just felt like, I mean, he gave every, everything to the game. I mean, he's first and basically in mostly all of the major statistical categories for for a quarterback i think he's first in passing yards all time um he's right up there with in in touchdowns as well i think tom brady and it's like him and tom brady neck and neck but yeah it was time for him to go it, it was it was really tough to see him play last year and have him be a shell of himself yeah that's for sure yeah it, it, that last game was, was brutal um and uh yeah it just i hate to see it for drew Brees, but I think it's time for him to go and oh, oh, oh another side question. He so he's a, a supposedly supposed to go in to be an NFL analyst on Sunday Night Football or something like that. Do you think that Drew Brees could be a better uh, booth or better color commentary guy than Tony Romo? Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna go that far yet. Tony <laughs> Romo had yeah. uh, Tony Romo yeah. had a lot of. Out, he he was fresh out of fresh out of retirement, and then he went straight into broadcasting. I think Breeze is doing the same thing, but I yeah. I I don't see I see Breeze being more of a football guy. But it's just you know Tony Romo's IQ was unmatched, and you know he was basically yeah. ahead of everybody else when it came to uh, what he does and how he does it. I mean, I'm shocked that he hasn't had multiple coaching offers yet for as a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. He would definitely be the right guy for that job. And, you know, that's something maybe the Dallas Cowboys should consider later on if they move on from Mike McCarthy. So just as, just something to keep an eye on. That's all. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So dagger or no dagger. I'm going to go March Madness again just to keep the trend going. It's literally been all NFL, all March Madness, but I'm going to keep the March Madness train going. Uh, Corey, do you see two double-digit seeds making the Sweet 16? Dagger or no dagger? Ooh, 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say dagger on this one. I think it, it I think it can happen. I'm not sure who it's gonna be, but I think it's gonna I think it's gonna gonna roll into it. And I, I you know I'd love to see that happen and and just see all the madness just come together and um and blow up everyone's brackets and um I think that would be a good time um and and uh yeah I mean let me more on that later on who I think that might be but I, I definitely could see it happening I mean th- this year it's just crazy um I'm trying to think I mean who uh let's see let's see we got um I mean <laughs> we've talked about Eastern Washington I don't know if they can make it that far um Joseph talked about Ohio that could potentially upset Virginia as the four seed and maybe make it on farther. Um, I would love to see UCSB beat Creighton. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, let me see more on that later, but Virginia Tech, maybe um, Georgia Tech too. Oh, they're, they're a nine seed. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think I th- I'm going to say dagger on that one. I think it could definitely happen. And I mean, this, if any year it's this year, they could happen. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You think that you think they can make it? I, I mean, I think it's just going to be one double digit seed that we see in the sweet 16. I don't think it's going to be two, but mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, it could be, it could be, it could be two seed, two teams. So who knows uh, that, that will be, that'll be real. That'll be a really, really fun uh, matchup to look at. I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting creating, you know, Creighton should uh, make it. I mean, they, they'll make it to the round of 32, but I don't know if they'll make it up to the Sweet 16. So they, they could run to Virginia or something. I it, it just depends. I mean, it just depends on matchups. I mean, who teams get and everything like that. So, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to take the safe pick and go uh, go under. I'm going to say no, no dagger to that as well. So, yeah, I think I mean, honestly, team that I'm trying to think who could go the farthest in the Pac-12. And I think, I mean, Oregon State, they won. They they were kind of a Cinderella story to be, to, to win the Pac-12 title. They're a 12 seed and playing Tennessee that at the five seed um, in their first game. So I think I would love to see Oregon State go far. And I do think that Oregon would, I, I you know, Joseph liked Oregon and Colorado. And, uh, you know, USC, UCLA has got a playing game, USC, um made it into the tournament nicely they're they're waiting to see who they'll play in the first game either wichita state or drake so it, you know i mean i think what team do you think will go farthest in the pac-12 definitely should be oregon should be oregon yeah should be oregon it could be usc i'm not sure i i definitely think oregon could make it it could make it the farthest but i i mean pac-12 so watered down over the years i i really don't see that many teams from the Pac-12 making it to the Sweet 16. Um, yeah, it just, it all yeah. depends. It all depends. So, yeah. Oregon has a tough route too. I, I was looking through. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And, you know, we'll go into our Dagger 5 um, for this week. I know, you know, I'm going to call, you know, all of my Dagger 5 actually is going to be upsets. So, okay. here is what I have. I'm going to pull up my bracket right now and see who I have as upsets for the upcoming tournament I have in the first round. These are all first round matchups, by the way. So I have Wichita state. This is kind of a bonus one. I have Wichita state winning tonight versus Drake. A lot of the money's on Drake, but I like Wichita state to win this one. And I like them to beat USC as well. Um, Who else? 
Uh, St. Bonaventure, I like them beating LSU. L, uh, Joseph mentioned earlier how much he loves LSU. I, you know, it, it really depends for me. Um, LSU's been, they've been a solid team this year, but you can't go against the Bonnies. Uh, not, it's an, that's a 9 8 matchup. I like uh, St. Bonaventure in that one. Um, a 10 7 matchup I have, that's a, it's going to be good. Maryland and UConn. I like Maryland as the 10 seed with the upset over the seven seed U, uh, seven seed UConn. Um, North Carolina and Wisconsin. Joseph loved North Carolina, but I'm going to go with Wisconsin on this one. I think they, I mean, they've been, they've been playing in a brutal, brutal conference all year long. They've been, you know, they've kind of gotten the short end of the stick with some of their matchups in the Big Ten, but they're going up against a good coach in the tournament against uh, against Roy Williams. I think they rebound and they get they get the uh, they get the upset over North Carolina, who's been kind of up and down this year as it is. But the one team I have to winning, Joseph picked Colgate or um I spoiled it already. Joseph picked <laughs> Arkansas to win to go to the final four. I like Colgate with the upset in the first round. I like the 14 seed yeah. I mean, they've only played what three teams all year. I, I don't even know. It's it's such a it's such a crazy. They they played three teams all year up until the conference tournament. Kind of a crazy concept to think about mm. if you look at it like that. Because I mean, fifteen games, and that's all they played. I mean, wow, they're gonna be fresh. I like I like them in an upset against Arkansas, who's gone through a rigid SEC this year. So, bonus. I'll give you bon- I'll give you a bonus upset too. Uh, Oregon State over Tennessee in the first round. That that should be that should be fun. So um, I'm looking forward to some of these matchups, and you know, pick wisely because these are uh, these are going to be some fun games, close games rather too. Yeah, I, I absolutely cannot wait. Um, it you know it's finally returning. It's going to be March Madness is going to be epic this year. Um, so, but I'll start off with what you just said too. I I, I like Oregon State as as the as that seat or is it the 12 seed or 13 seed? Uh, Oregon State's a 12 seed. 12, okay, 12 seed. Yeah. So I'll take, I'm going to take Oregon State on that one too. I like, I like how they're playing. They won the Pac 12. I think they can beat Tennessee. And then this is the team I forgot to ask um, Joseph about SDSU. I think they could beat, they might be able to beat Syracuse on that first game. But I think that's going to be a really fun one. That he loved, to, yeah, he loved uh, Jim Beheim's son. So I, I mean, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> hard. <laughs> he said it's, he said it's hard to pick against Syracuse in that zone. And then, I don't disagree. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, that's going to be a fun one to watch. I think um, I'm going to say I'm going to roll with SDSU as you see and have them pull off the, that, that upset, um, even though it might be a little bit of a Hail Mary. But, um, and then going on to an eight and nine matchup, Loyola, Chicago, Georgia Tech. I think that's going to be a fun one. I think that's just going to be another fun, close game to watch. Um, and then uh, another one, VCU in Oregon, um, th- that's going to be, that's going to be a fun one too. I think uh, that's a, that's going to be a tough game too, just for Oregon. I feel like they always have tough matchups in, in the, in the tournament, but I think Oregon will be able to pull that off and make a nice run. Um, and then going to the, the um, I'm going to jump over to the women's uh, NCAA tournament Ooh. to Arizona, Arizona basketball. They're the, um, they're the, they made it into the, the big dance. They won the NIT last year, or I guess two seasons ago. Um, and so, but it's the first time in, let me, let me pull this up. It's like the first time 
since 2005, I think they made it to the national um, women's tournament. So, um, and they're going to be playing on Monday, I believe. And hopefully we can have, we can, we can have uh, Ryan Kellepire on the show and we can have, we can talk about that. We can hopefully fingers crossed, talk about that win and what the, the woman Wildcats have to do to, to, to pull off a, a deep playoff run. So why can't, let me, let me pull up their, that game. Um, let's see. Arizona Athletics. We have that's so that's going to be a fun one. Um, and then D, J, JP, do you know how they're playing the first game? I, I actually do not. I don't, I, I'm not sure. They, they have the three seed this year. That's all I know. Um, but let me, let me look. I, mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I wasn't prepared to talk women's today at all because we were so focused on, you know, the men's, men's tournament in that interview that we had with Joseph talking about it. But, okay, here we um, go. So, my, my apologies on this, everyone. So we had, yeah, they're <laughs> going to be playing in San Antonio and they'll be playing the 14th seeded Stony Brook on the first round, Monday, March 22nd. So, uh, uh, and you can catch that on ESPN too, too. So um, they're going to be, yeah, like you said, number three seed, um, first time since 2005 in, you know, in the March Madness official big dance. So um, that's going to be a fun one. And I, I, I'll take the Wildcats on that one. And I think that's going to be, um, it's going to be, a heck of a tournament to watch and and uh and i hope the wildcats make a, a, a big run in that one so yeah no that should be it should be a fun matchup and you know we're looking forward to seeing seeing uh some of these matchups too as well uh not just in the men's bracket but in the women's as well so definitely yeah yeah so we're gonna get into our dagger of the week uh i know the houston buzzer beater against memphis was big um uh, that was i mean that that was electric. That was what kind of tipped off March and what March is going to become. But, you know, the half court buzzer beater was insane. And uh, I think it was the AAC title game. I'm not sure if it, if it was the title game or not, but the AAC, um, it was in the AAC conference tournament game, but that was, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was insane. I couldn't really, I <laughs> couldn't really tell you, anything else otherwise so um yeah it was it was it was it was good to see it was good to see houston and the conference tournament on that note and then go into the ncaa tournament uh on a high note so um also a dark horse team in the tournament too i i i think i i think i'm gonna pick houston to win it all go all the way oh go all the way they're gonna win Dang. i think they're gonna win the tournament because they they made it they made it to the final four well right they or no, they they haven't made they haven't no, made no that it. was no that was Texas that was Texas um, Texas Tech yeah Tech yeah Texas Tech yeah so, uh, yeah so I mean that'll be awesome um, then I have a little bonus I have a little bonus um, dagger five we have a couple uh, lacrosse we have Newport Harbor High School down the road they're finally back in action they're playing Servite so that's going to be a good matchup um, that's going to be next Wednesday and then uh, shout out to the Arizona lacrosse who had a big time win dagger over over gcu so that's that's a big time um yeah win, that's, win for the program i yeah. I, I yeah i changed i changed my dagger the week to luke lill and stopey hitting hitting pipe in on uh gcu's goalie that's all that, that was a that was a great goal um go lills go cats uh can't wait to see them hopefully make the national tournament this year should be a fun one yeah that's so that'll be that'll be awesome they're they're 
slated to play Utah Valley coming up. Um, I'm not sure that it says neutral site, I think, there. So I'm not sure where they're yeah. playing. Yeah, but, um, it's to be determined, I think, still. I'm not sure either. So Yeah, but that'll be a good one. Um, so there's a little couple bonus um, um, dagger fives of the week. So shout out to Luke for his goal, bringing home the Cats. I think it's been a, it's been a minute since we beat GCU. Um, I think dating before – it's been a while. We 2019, 2019. We oh yeah, yeah. We beat uh, yeah. Him. yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. So um we almost beat him my freshman year, but it was the close. That was the last we lost in the last second, last yeah. couple seconds. Um, but so that so that that's my dagger, but then also Paul George uh hitting the dagger over Luke. Oh, stop it. That. Stop it with Paul George. <laughs> Get out of here. Paul but, George. Um, I, I do have to say that I mean the Clippers. They they're always gonna scare me ever since what they did last year, which I won't repeat. But um the <laughs> the, the um they I mean they just can't they're just not consistent enough. They're a great team after a loss. They're I believe they're seven and zero after a bat on a back to back after they lose. And so, but they they just can't get that consistency, and it scares me for a game six, a game seven in the playoffs. So um they have a lot to work on. Uh, they're a little bit banged up right now with Ibaka out and Pat Bev, but that's a topic for another, you know, another day, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but look, I mean, Luca hit the dagger last night too. So again, so, I mean, but Paul George had the oh one on goodness. What was that? Was that you're so, killing yeah. me? You're killing me with Paul George, my man. <laughs> you're killing me with that. With, with Paul George. I, I know. listen, once Paul George performs in the playoffs, we're going to give him all the praise on the show. And I, I will be the first to say it. I will come out. And I'm not talking about a first round game against Dallas, like what happened last yeah. year, where you dropped 30 and then dropped like what was it, single digits in the in the um, game seven against Denver. He yeah. he he played he played terrible, but yeah, he, he had pan, He started pandemic P. You can't I'm just trying to figure out how to get the Lakers schedule because Clippers have been playing the Celtics, Nets, Dallas, Utah. And then the now the Lakers playing the Timberwolves or the worst team in the NBA. They okay, play the Hornets, they, play the Pacers. Like they got it. The Hornets lock, and Pacers lock, are playoff lock. teams. <laughs> They're playoff teams. Well, you no, say, Pacers. <laughs> the Hornets Pacers have the be rookie of the year. That the Hornets have a better record than the Celtics. Oh my god. The Celtics are 20 and 20. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The Celtics are horrible this year. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean shoot you can name all these teams all you want i mean they're playing without anthony davis too i mean they can't that's true i mean they're still i mean they're still hovering the three or four seed i mean can't can't knock them for that i mean but minnesota's nine and 31 that's brutal well they haven't had (laughs) angelo russell and their franchise is absolutely unstable so uh, yeah it's this coaching changes bringing in assistance from other organizations and as coaches i didn't which i didn't understand at all so Hmm. Um, but yeah, well, that concludes it for this episode <laughs> of the dagger. Stay tuned for all of our content on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we'll be bringing you content as soon as this episode is released. I know you guys want your Mar- March madness digest. We're going to give it to you in the meantime, stay, uh, stay tuned for more content next week. We're going to be hopefully on time next week. I know you guys are seeing this episode on a Thursday potentially a Friday depends on when you listen to it but in the meantime take care and have a great weekend and watch some basketball please it's a big weekend to watch basketball